Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Have you guys been blessed thus far? Um, I just want to let you know that there's no sermon during this time. We're actually going to all give testimonies of how we came to Jesus, hence the theme, Come to the Altar. Um, one quick testimony I do want to give is about this Sabbath. It's actually been canceled twice now. So third time's a charm, and I'm just so grateful that God put this together today. So let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you um, just so much for your son, Jesus, who draws us close to you, just shows us who you are. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit descend upon all of us, Lord, and that you may be glorified and only you may be seen. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess I'll stand right here. <laughs> I'm really nervous. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, and that feeds right into how I am going to begin. Uh, Psalm 27. Uh, you can follow along if you'd like. Um, and this is no sermon. This is just how I'm going to begin because I want God's word to speak for me before I talk about myself. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I, might, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, for I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. And such as breathe out violence, I will have lost heart unless I had delivered that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This passage speaks to me deeply. And I tell people that it is my life's work, uh, my life's verse when I read the Bible. But why? It may be confusing because as far as I know, I don't actually have any physical enemies. As far as I know, 
I, I consider people to be my friends. But there are things that happen in each of our lives from the past, things that are beyond our explanation, things that about us we don't even know until it is revealed. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with people skills. I struggle even believing in the faith that I have. But God is always there, always there, to bring me back when I've lost my way. I grew up in foster care because the government deemed my mother incapable and incompetent of taking care of me because she had schizophrenia. I struggle with the possibility of not really knowing who I am as a person. And I could use that as a reason to not continue moving forward. When I was in foster care in the first home, they ended up divorced by the age of two, uh, by the time I was two years old. I am told, I am told, I don't know these details for certainty because I'm told if I don't remember it, it didn't happen, but yet, the reason I have gotten into psychology, I'm a psychology major at Cornerstone, I should probably throw that out there, is because of these unanswered questions. And all I can find is that the advice is don't worry about it. Give it to God. Let it go. And even when I'm told this, I question, how do you do that? We know the answer. Stay connected with him, right? There are times where I even feel like I'm not even doing that. I question the validity of my own existence all the time, and I've reached the conclusion that the only good that comes from me, because I don't recognize the benefits. I don't. I have a hard time seeing where, but it's not about me. It's not about me. Will I ever find the truth in the answers that I seek in terms of who I am as a person? I know what I need to do, and that is just, as it says, wait on the Lord. These are testimonies about our coming to Jesus. As far as I can tell, I'm still coming, Lord. Even if I do not see the fruits of my labor, even if I do not see the results of my faith, I will wait for the Lord. I don't know all the things I've ever said in the past. I don't know all the things I'm even saying now because I didn't prepare anything to come up here. I knew I was doing this in advance and I didn't prepare a thing. Because one of the things I have to do to improve and grow in my life is to take risks. And one of those things, risks that I need to take is to stop planning and preparing and just trust. Just trust. So I, I, I think I believe Jesus is the way. And if I'm lying to myself, please reprove me. I'm asking that from everyone. Because let Jesus have the glory.
that, 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 that's all I can say because I've only recently realized that I've been focusing so much on the negative my whole entire life. I don't want to think on the negative anymore. Good morning. I guess we think about it as we're going uh, with our theme here, coming to the altar. I think um, God prepares each one of our hearts um, for that step to come to the altar, to, to come and, and receive him and be part of that family. And uh, I got some pictures to show here. And uh, most of them are um, pictures of like uh, what you see out, you know, you go out camping or you go somewhere just to get away from your work and everything else. And, um, but I want to see, this is, uh, this is actually Gall Lake um, in front of my, my um, folks old place where we used to live when I was growing up. They used to have an Easter sunrise service right on the lake edge. And uh, what I'm showing you is our seeds that were planted in my life that brought me to the saving knowledge of Christ. And uh, there's a verse I want to share in Romans. Romans um, chapter 1. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. With all that we see that God has made, the different, this is Camp Osable. Um different things that you will see here, there, on your way. You know, I was in 4-H for several years and I enjoyed um, collecting bugs. I actually had an insect collection, took it to the fair and got special exhibit awards and stuff like that. Um, but what I saw in those things were a God that was able to put you know, wings together and stuff like this. I'm like, amazing, you know, if you take a microscope or even just any kind of a visual tool, you can see, you know, what God has done. Oops, I skipped one. Just God's glory uh, in the sky, in the paintings that he does. So, and that brings me to um, it's a friend of mine that, that um, reminded me that it's very important to pray, um, to talk to God, wherever we are, all the time. Talking to God is important. God's sky painted. This was at uh, a camp that I worked at with some youth. This is in Colorado. God's showing us his handiwork everywhere. These are some leaders that I had 
when I was growing up in the uh, Presbyterian Church in Richland. And uh, we had quite the youth group and did all kinds of things. That is the church in Richland. We took trips, and this that you see is a, is a, a pathway over a river in uh, Buckhorn, Kentucky, where we were working with an orphanage and uh, just lots of little kids. We were doing a lot of um, soccer and different things with them. It was, and we were painting and doing a lot of work, too. This is a rock-a-thon. I don't know if anyone's ever been a part of that, but if you stopped rocking throughout the night, it, it goes for quite a period of time, then you might get shot with a water gun or something. So somebody will um, wake you up, you know. <laughs> so. Ice cream social. You can see the shirt I have on it. It um, has something to say about the um, uh, Presbyterian Church. It was really old at that time. I think we celebrated 150 years or something like that. Um, but when I was young, we would go on ski trips in different places. There would be a speaker and they would share some nuggets of truth with us. And all these things. I reemphasize our seeds that were coming into my life, that were preparing me for what's ahead. We used to go out on Gull Lake and clear it off and play kind of like a broom hockey or whatever you had, wearing boots, you know. And a lot of those were youth group activities that I was growing up with. Um, there was a lot of music groups that I grew up with. Um, some of you might recognize this is GLAD. There's um, the Imperials, Dallas Home, um, lots of different singing groups that um, I, I went to different concerts in, in the area and I uh, heard Nuggets of Truth. I remember Dallas Home and Praise uh, going to hear one of his concerts and, and they um, gave opportunities to accept Christ. And, uh, but um, this is a, a teacher at the school that I went to. I was at Gall Lake Schools, and I graduated in 82. But this teacher here was also a minister in the um, Richland Bible Church at the time. And uh, not only was he uh, teaching in the school, I, I took Bible as lit while I was in high school. Unbelievably, I don't know that you can do that now. But um, him and other teachers, there was another one that, that had what is FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, were at Gall Lake School, within the school. You could, you could go to meetings. They, at the time, they were doing meetings inside the school and outside in different places. Youth for Christ was another one. This is the same guy. This is a prayer breakfast that they would have before you went to school. You could go on Tuesday mornings and go to prayer breakfast. You could go around and share your, your uh, requests and they would go around and pray for each other. Different seeds. This is um, a soapbox derby that we had at Western Michigan University. Good friend of mine um, standing there and a couple other brothers. 
Um, back in my Western Michigan University days. Okay. Uh, this is my brother Russ, who uh, was very instrumental in uh, leading me to the Lord. Him and this guy here, John, um, were both part of Campus Crusade for Christ because my brother was like three years ahead of me. So he was at Western before I was. I was still in high school. So they were learning how to share um, with people about how to accept Christ. And um, they shared this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And um, I don't know if any of you have heard about it, but there are different tracks and different ways to to tell people about Jesus. But this is a real simple outline that shows, um, first of all, God's love for you. Um, John 3.16, we're all familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Romans 5.8, um, God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, and then there, but the problem the second part of it is um, that there's sin in our lives. Romans 3.23 says, um, for all of sin, or, yeah, for all sin and come short of the glory of God. Um, in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So you have, you have um, God's love, number one, and number two, we have sin in our lives. So how do we deal with that? Um, there's a verse in, in Acts, Acts 4.12, which you may be familiar with. That says that there is there, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. That's what um, Acts 4.12 reads. And then if you go to John 14.6, it says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. So I learned these truths from the four spiritual laws. And um, my, my brother and his friend were sharing this with, with me in our Sunday school class up in in, in a Presbyterian church. And then John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy, but I am come that you might have life and might have it abundantly. And uh, Ephesians 2 tells us that it's a gift, that um, for by grace are you saved through faith, not this not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We can't earn it. It's a gift that God gives us. All we have to do is receive it. And um, John 1.12 says, Yet to all who receive him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God, even to those who believe in his name. John 17.3 And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. But how do I know if I'm saved? I can see that there's, 
ways to do that, you know, how to come to Christ. You know, there's different ways, there's different seeds. But in uh, 1 John, 1 John 5, 13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know, not guess, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So we have confidence to know that. Okay. This is a picture of me and my brother and two others in France back in 84. That's Russ on the left, and then I'm right by him in white. I had some hair back in those days. <laughs> but, um, but the thing is, while we were there in France, this was a trip uh, project serve with Youth for Christ. We were helping build a church, and we were also singing in a group. Towards the end of that time, my brother fell. He slipped, and he fell off of an edge, kind of like this hill here. And he uh, died instantly. The back, he was hit in the back of his head, was kind of caved in. And uh, it was a hard thing for me. Says on his stone, something he wrote on the bottom of one of his pictures, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Just like you know, Paul said in, in uh, Philippians 1.21. But Russ was funny, though. This is my brother Russ that died. He was funny. He had some humor to him. But he was also very talented. This is a drawing that he put together for me for a Christmas present. These are pictures that he did of Jesus. This is a self-portrait that he drew. And the eye of God with the Holy Spirit going up into it, there's actually a bigger part of that picture, but I only have part of it there. He designed the logo for the group that we were in, which is a singing group called Direction, the yellow shirts that we had on. One of the earlier things were showing that. I was confused, though, by by what had happened. There he, he is in one of the last pictures that I took of him while we were in France. It's from a slide. And I was like, he had so much going for him. He, he was talented musically and also gifted with drawing and um, other abilities, the humor that he had. He was a class clown kind of person. And um, all I can figure is God was preparing me for something, but I didn't know what it was. I was confused. He died the day before my birthday. I think God was trying to show me the urgency of the message. And um, he continues to do that. Because in 2010... I, was, I could have been killed by somebody that pulled a gun up to me. This is the paper 
that um, was written from the village where we live in Climax, where um, somebody had a gun to my neck. And it's a, lo a story in itself. But that and this, which happened in 2017, I was hanging from my belt from this car. I'm still here and I'm alive and I walked away from this with no problems. And then in 2018, finding out that I had heart problems and I didn't even know it. You know, I was playing tennis probably the first of the year in 2018 and that, that was uh, um, free, free courts at the um, West, West Hills Tennis Club. And uh, by the 23rd, I was in the hospital getting my um, bypasses. I had actually five bypasses and I had eight, eight blockages. So I'm coming to the end of my message here, and I'm thinking, where are you with Jesus this morning? Are you ready for his return? We're, we're Seventh-day Adventists. Advent means, you know, we know Christ is coming. Are we ready? Are we ready for that? I think of uh, what just happened with my wife and her brother, that died with the COVID thing and uh, the problems that he had. And um, that could be any one of us, you know? We, are we ready? We could step out in front of a car. We could go out in this weather and uh, pile our car into a tree. Are we ready? Do we know him? Is it important that we know him? It's important that he knows you because it's a relationship. And um, it says in Matthew 7, 23, I can get there. Many will say to me that in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's important that he knows you. Not as, I mean, we want to know him, yes. We want a relationship, but it's important that he knows me and he knows you. Tomorrow, that knock may not be there. So we need to be ready now. And uh, we need to help those around us be ready as well. Thank you for this message. Time. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, a little disclaimer. How I came to Jesus is a little unusual. And it's not something I would recommend to people to witness in this way. Um, but I was encouraged to tell it, so I'm going to tell it. <laughs> uh, I grew up Catholic. My, my dad and I went to church when I was little, and eventually when my sister got old enough, she went to church with us as well. Um, 
Eventually, we stopped going to church for various reasons. I also kind of got really into science, and so Jesus and science, like it just there's a lot of confusion for me and not really knowing the truth. Um, so I fast forward to college, and I decide I want to go to a Catholic college because I want to learn more about what's in the Bible. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny, I, we had religion our first year, and I was so excited to get to this class, and we go over the three major religions, we go over in detail about Judaism and what they believe, and when we get to Christianity, the, the guy says, you know, you guys already know what's in the Bible, so we don't have to go over that. And I, I was like, man, <laughs> we talked about how Christianity was dying. That was the topic, and I, my heart kind of sank. Um, I also had a roommate who was a very, very, very devout Catholic. She would read her Bible every day, and she um, said to me, hey, you know, you should come to Tuesday Mass with me. And I was like, no, no way. There's too much singing. I don't want to be involved in that. <laughs> uh, she said, no, there's no singing. It's very quick. It's 30 minutes. I said, okay, I'll go. And I loved it. I loved going to this Mass because no singing, no singing of the Our Father like they do sometimes. It was just very quick. And I, I really appreciated the priest because I felt like he was uh, a pretty honest fellow, although I'm pretty sure he was not fully with it when he was given these Masses, but... <laughs> Okay. Um, and eventually I started going to Mass on Sundays with her, and I became a Eucharistic minister, which is the person who gives out the, the bread and the wine. Um, but she actually came back. She went to Africa for a year, our junior year, and she came back full-blown atheist, like just didn't believe anymore. There was nothing I could say to her that could convince her because of what she had seen over there. Um, so, you know, by, I'm still going to church, but kind of wavering again. And now um, I go to grad school, and I, again, I live with a girl who's from India. She's also Catholic. And she says, hey, you know, you need to come to church with me. And it's like, I don't, I don't really want to. I mean, I'm in school. I'm getting my PhD. Like, I got enough problems as it is. Like, I don't want to waste my time. So, no, no, like, we're a Catholic. We go to church. So, okay, <laughs> we'll go to church. And I actually loved this church. I loved the priest. I loved his homilies. Um, they, they made a lot of sense. And a lot of things that I was confused about actually started to be resolved through his uh, homilies, and I loved the people there. They're also like some of the nicest people I'd ever met, and which is kind of funny because, you know, my church growing up, they weren't really so much that nice. <laughs> um, so I, I, be, I become a Eucharistic minister there, and they, they actually took that very seriously. You uh, got up in the white robe and you walked up with the priest, which I mean is a, a very big deal in the Catholic Church. And so, you know, it's, it's a very, the Eucharistic minister there was a very big part of the service. And next thing you know, I meet David. <laughs> and David, um, David and I have conversations, you know, I find out he's an Adventist, he doesn't eat pork, and he goes to church on Saturday, and I'm like, you might as well be Jewish. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> um, and 
he gave me steps to Christ. And, you know, granted, we had, I read the book, I loved it, but it didn't really, like, it didn't really click. And about, like, seven or eight, month, eight months into our relationship, we are, we're hanging out in my dorm, and we have a conversation, and the Pope comes up. And um, I don't remember exactly how it came up, but he said to me, you know, I'm not really a big fan of the Pope. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I mean, who's not a fan of the Pope? And I pestered him because he did not want to tell me. I pestered him and I pestered him. And then finally he said, you know, we believe the Pope is the Antichrist. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding? Like, and then, and then he leaves. So, <laughs> I mean, we had more conversation after that, but he left shortly after that. And uh, so I do what any curious individual do. I go on the internet. And I'm like, I'm going to figure this out because this is crazy. Like, I've never heard of such a thing. And I saw everything, how the Adventists are a cult. I saw all the verses in Revelation about the eight kings. And I just, my mind is just blown. I'm just like, okay. He's not doing anything rash. Like, he's not cutting himself. So I know it's not like one of those. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I, I want to keep seeing him, but I'm just going to go along with this. And eventually my interest in church actually kind of dropped again, which I didn't realize at the time. So I go away. Uh, I received a fellowship to go to China um, to do some research there for my PhD. And I actually had a pretty rough time there. I couldn't speak the language. I mean, I stick out like a sore thumb. I'm a white, white girl, you know. Um, and I, I would call David crying like every night, just, I don't want to be here. And it, I mean, in, in reality, it was such an amazing opportunity, but I just couldn't grasp that. And he said, you know, Sam, I think you should pray. I'm like, pray? I mean, just talk to God? I mean, that's not, no, Sam, I think you should pray. I was like, okay, I'm going to pray. So I did, and that, that helped. And I said to him later, you know, I, I think I want to, read the Bible. I think I want to see what you guys are talking about. And he says to me, you should read Revelation. Now, I do not tell anybody to read Revelation first. <laughs> so I, I read Revelation, and he said, you should get a guide to help you understand it. So I did, and I read the thing, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm like, what? You guys believe all this is going to happen? <laughs> this is crazy. You know, why would God do such a thing? Like, you're, everybody's going to burn? Like, come on. <laughs> and so I, I come back, and I say, you know what? If everything you're telling me is true, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to find it. So I, um, there's, a, there's an app called the Bible app. I pulled that out, and I found a read the Bible in a year plan. And I said, okay, I'm going to read this thing in a year. I'm going to prove you wrong. This is not, all the things I learned as a child have to be true. Like, this, can't, this cannot be. And <laughs> was I sorely mistaken. I mean, I, I read about the Sabbath, and I was like, man, okay, I, I am worshiping on the wrong day. I started going to church with David. I read about, um, I read about, like, you know, unclean food, and I just said to David, I'm not, I'm not going to eat pork or shellfish anymore. He said, 
okay, sure. I, uh, you know, I, I saw all of these things. I mean, I remember going and getting to the Gospels and just seeing who Jesus was for the first time in my life and just falling in love with him, being like, wow, I did not, this is not what I was told. This is such, like, the, the story of his crucifixion made so much more sense now that I read it than, than it did as a child. And from that point on, you know, I decided, like, this is it. I want to follow Jesus. You know, I, before I got baptized, I, uh, I got involved in that church, in the, that Seventh-day Adventist church. They had me teach cradle roll. Um, I helped out with the uh, health clinics, which they were very big on, so they always had those. Um, and I did not get baptized right away, admittedly, because I did not want to be associated with any church. I felt that the remnant church should just be a group of people, and that was it. Um, but I mean, that's a different story, so I won't tell that. But if I could really pinpoint the moment at which God kind of woke me up and said, like, come out of Babylon, it was when David told me, you know, the Pope, we believe the Pope is the Antichrist. And so I'm just so thankful for God has very unusual ways of reaching us. <laughs> Amen. Have you stopped at church once again? So I was asked to actually give a testimony about being uh, born and raised in church. And someone said to do it in 15 minutes, which is so kind of like unreal, because that means I won't have to talk about the Pathfinder stuff that we used to do when I was growing up. So I mean, if you grew up in church, born and raised in church, you know that the church, there is a lot of stories to tell. So I'll try to do it in 15 minutes, though. I actually have like flashcards to make sure that I stay within those 15 minutes. My name is Christabel, and I was born and raised in Zimbabwe, which is in the southern part of Africa. And um, I was born and raised a uh, Seventh-day Adventist. I have like, both my uncles are like pastors, and I know no other religion besides uh, the Seventh-day Adventist. And I've always thought that converting to a different church or to a different religion must be very hard because I cannot imagine someone trying to convert me. <coughs> so I've attended like a boarding school, like Seventh Day Adventist boarding school back in Zimbabwe. And um, <clears throat> so being a child growing up, I really feel like um, I depended so much on my uh, parents and my grandparents' faith. And I didn't have that relationship with God, like just being a child, you know, just being prayed for, just being asked to pray. It's just like something that we would just, just do like as a routine, attending the Ad Adventurers Club, the Pathfinders, the Camborys and everything. So I think the advantage of just growing in church is that you depend, you do have um, family that you can count on, that they can cover you in prayer in those times where you feel like you don't know where you stand with God especially for the young kids or uh, teenagers as they are growing up, you know, having parents and uh, grandparents or the church family always praying for you. So uh, going back to one of the examples or like a little testimony, um, my mom left in uh, Zimbabwe when I was nine years old and um, she had been here for 12 years and I had not seen her for 12 years. And as a child, I never really prayed to like say, oh Lord, I want to 
see my mom or whatever. I never really like focused on that, but my mom prayed for like 12 years. And finally, because God's timing is the best, after 12 years in 2012, I was able to meet my mom after, 20, after 12 years of, of being apart. So that's an example of where I'm saying uh, being in the church, the advantage of being in the church is that you can count on your brothers. They can be like family. They can be just like uh, church family. They can be like friends. Uh, so that's kind of like the advantage that I've had, like those privileges that other people don't get to see if they are outside of church or if they don't believe in God. And actually, uh, sticking, going back to that testimony of where my mom prayed for me, uh, prayed to be with me, um, I want to bring out something that growing up in the church does not mean you always get what you want. We all know that, right? If you don't know it, I think you'll know it pretty soon. <laughs> and uh, also growing in church does not mean an automatic relationship with God, you know. It doesn't mean that you already have that connection. What God seeks is like that intentional, that personalized relationship. And there are those actually uh, who've been in the church, born and raised in the church, who still have that relationship, who have kind of like a microwaved relationship with Christ, whereby you just seek him only when you want him. You know that relationship? Can someone relate? Let's see a hand. You only go to God when you need him, right? That's not how God operates. That's not how God wants us to be. So whether one is born and raised in church or they join the church, and uh, the key point is to just have a relationship with God. That's the key point. Have like a personalized relationship. God is so individualized. He's an individual God who actually who actually uh, specializes on people as individuals, not as a group. So um, that's what he, he seeks, that's what he wants from us. Okay. And another advantage of growing or being raised, born and raised in the church was um, growing up in church, I learned early, at an early age, that I don't have to fight any battles. And uh, that God does the fighting for me, you know. I only have to stand on my knees and things happen, poof, everything happens just like magic, you know. Just stand on my knees and everything happens. As easy as that, that's what happens. So an example of that is I went through a nursing program and that's, for me, according to my experience so far, I think nursing program is hard. It was supposed to be hard. But because of this early uh, teaching or this early um, understanding that God fights my battles, I was able to understand that I didn't have to do it myself. I didn't have to be the one taking the exams. I didn't have to be the one cracking my head, trying to be like, okay, what's going on? I had to take it to God in prayer. I had to just do my part, study, and then just leave everything to God. So I went through nursing school and it was fun. That was the best time of my life. I had so much fun in nursing program, two years of having fun at school. And um, I had times where I was uh, able to write articles for the nursing program. I was able to be the face of the nursing program. I was able to actually uh, teach, like it was just like a, a semester. I was able to do like extra lessons, tutorial lessons to other nursing students with med surge. I was a med surge uh, tutorial person, like doing extra lessons for other students. 
And those are the things, uh, the advantage of uh, knowing God. You know, you, you actually pray for something, you ask God for something, he doesn't partially bless you. He fully blesses you even with the things that you didn't ask for. All I wanted in essence was to get my C's or A's or B's and go and get done. But God was able to actually bless me with other little things on the way. So that's another advantage of knowing God. That's another advantage or a blessing or a privilege that those that know God walk around knowing that they don't have to fight any battles. They don't have to be worried about other things that people get worried about. And also an advantage of knowing God um, is that the things that bother other people, like I said, don't become a bother to me. You know, there are things that people uh, get worried about. What will I do tomorrow? What if I fail this exam? Or what, this, what if I don't get a job? Or what if I lose my job? I, I never get to worry about those things. That's not my job. My job is to just focus on God. And uh, like, while I focus on him, while I get to know him better, he takes care of me. And another example, the third example, the third advantage of uh, growing or being raised in church or knowing God is that um, it has taught me that when you uh, intercede for others, blessings are poured on you also. There's um, this blessing that comes with interceding for others. You know, God actually supplies your needs first and then he actually pours it to others. So this blessing, I actually realized it when I was actually going through nursing program. I had a friend of mine, she was an unbeliever maker, and um, me and my friend Schneider, we would pray with her, and um, as we're praying for her, I mean, we, we had enough understanding, knowledge, and wisdom to explain things to her, like, she was able to get it, and she was able to also, for the first time since she was 15 years old, for the very first time, she was able to start fasting and praying. So there's an advantage of uh, interceding for others. Having a relationship with God means uh, I am guaranteed of having a calm, clear mind when I'm faced with challenges. And uh, the thing is, uh, when I'm afraid, I know that I can trust in God. And sometimes I, I really don't have to be afraid actually because I trust in God. But when I happen to be afraid, I know that I can trust in God. And because God is so personal and very intentional, having a personal relationship with him is all he wants. He wants us to do life, he wants to actually do life with us. He doesn't want much. He just wants us to, to, to include him in our plans. He wants to be part of us. I know, um, I, I know that knowing God, I'm always reminded that it is not my input that determines my life. My life's output or success or the achievements that I've had or the job that I have while others are losing their jobs or, or the car that I drive or the apartment or having family or having good health. And none of the things that I have is determined by the input that I put or the effort that I put. It is all because of God, uh, because of God's uh, grace. And it is not because I was born and raised an Adventist that I get blessings. It is not the number, uh, the number of the times I've come to church or paid tithe or prayed or visited sick people that I have the blessings that I have. It is because of God's mercies and grace that I knew every morning. I can say that I'm privileged and grateful to know God. 
I know how far the Lord has uh, covered and carried me. I know God is not trying to disturb my life. I also know that for me to produce good results in anything, God has to be part of it. I know there's some people who might be thinking, oh, maybe what if I try another way of just getting su successful? Maybe this God thing is not working, or let me just leave the church. Just so you know, before you leave the church, there is nothing you can do without God. You always go back to step one. So you choose if you want the long way or you want the shorter way. I know that the success of whatever goals I am aiming for is not dependent on what I do and how, how much effort I put. It is dependent on, on God's hand helping me and guiding me throughout the, um, throughout the journey. And I know for a fact in the, all these years I've, I've been just in church that it would be foolish of me to think that I can achieve anything on my own. I know for a fact that it would be foolish of me to think that I can arrive to my destination on my own. I know for a fact that it would be foolishness to think that I can have a better future to my, uh, on my own outside of God's will. I know that for a fact that it would be foolishness of me to think that men or people or human beings are right or important when God is there. I actually have a verse that I want to read. Um, it is found in Psalms 127 verses 1. It reads, Unless Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays at work in vain. There are four things that I can simply say um, that I've learned and that I take uh, seriously. It is that God says to respect him. God wants us to respect him. God wants us to be thankful. He wants us to be grateful and count our blessings one by one. God wants us to partner with him. We spend a lot of, try, of time trying to focus on ourselves or focus on other things or focus on, uh, on, on just trying to make relationships with the wrong people, making connections with the wrong people. I'm saying this to myself too. But the simple thing that God wants is that he, we partner with him, we focus on him, that we know him better than we know ourselves. And the last thing is that God wants us to inquire from him. He has so much wisdom. He has so much love. He has so much grace. He has so much um, kindness. He's just slow to anger. He's so uh, patient with us. He's always waiting for us to come back to him. Um, those are the four things that I want us to remember, to respect God, be thankful, partner with him, and inquire from him. Thank you. All right, please stand with us for our closing hymn, We Have This Hope, hymn 214. You mean...
let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this hope that we have in, within us. I just pray, Lord, that you may prepare our hearts and help us, Lord, uh, to be ready for your soon coming. Thank you, Lord, for this Sabbath. Continue to bless us, Lord, as we part. And may you not depart from, from your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.